Welcome to What the Foster, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the voiceless. With all the misconceptions about foster care out there, we think these stories will shed some light on what it really means to spend time in the system. What the Foster is produced by Umbrella, a New Jersey foster care nonprofit, and I'm Rachel Turan. This episode, we're thinking about how life doesn't always go as planned, especially when foster care is involved. But the unplanned can lead to some of life's most memorable experiences. From She was, the best way to describe her in the beginning was feral, right? And self-destructive and, and literally going, spending the nights in, you know, psychological emergency you know, situations. That's Eric List, talking about a particularly troublesome foster daughter who he met four years ago. For purposes of privacy, we will be referring to her as Angelica in this episode. Eric, who works for a software company, never gave two thoughts to fostering. And then he met Amy, a former paramedic and volunteer firefighter, who had committed her life to serving the community. Wasn't even aware of it, really, right? You know, it's one of those things that you might hear about in the news, and it it's one of those millions of things in life you just kind of ignore until right. until it actually creeps into your life. You know, when, when she and I first got together, we kind of, I was the guy who said, I'm never getting married. I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to live in the suburbs. You know, I'm never going to drive an SUV. Uh, now, not only have I had kids, I've had, you know, 31 kids. Not only do I live in the suburbs, I'm further out. You know, now I've got multiple, I'm the biggest hypocrite who's ever lived. Eric cares about Amy. And ultimately, that was enough for him to do something that she cared about, fostering. So over the next 10 years, they would have 30 kids in and out of their home. Do you have any like most memorable experiences throughout the last 10 years of fostering or anything just that stands out? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of experiences that stick out in fostering and, and most of them great, some of them heartbreaking. Um, you know, I think for, for me, Ah, I choke up every time I think about it, honestly. So we had we have we had at one point a placement of two kids. Both of them, their their mom um, uh, OD'd on heroin, and that was the reason that they were withdrawn. And um, they were the two kids were half siblings. Uh, one was four, the other one was two months old. She watched her mom, in her mind, die in front of her. Right? She OD'd, was down, relatives screaming, paramedics coming in. Um, mom was saved through Narcan, right? So, and she, brutally honest, you know, we would be in an airport or a restaurant and she'd walk up to a stranger and go, my mommy died. No, my mommy took shrugs and died, but she's okay now, right? You know, just open. So she understood what that was. And so that impacted her tremendously. So to see her mom die in front of her, to be ripped away from her mom, she loved her mom, right? Even though her mom had, had challenges, she loves her mom. Um, to have that all ripped away from her, that created immense emotional damage to her, right? Or at least strain. And that came out in all places like an explosion of behavior and self-harm and, you know, in, in school, you know, being disruptive and harming, trying to, threatening to kill other kids. You know, all this really scary stuff. The children's mother was no longer a viable parent. But keeping kids with family is so, so important, and we're seeing a statewide push in this direction. Angelica's father was an illegal immigrant, and he had been deported back to Honduras. The lists wondered if it was possible to connect her with her father again. So Honduras 
if you go to the CIA website, is murder capital of the world, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of drug cartels and all that kind of stuff. So they were legitimately worried about placing a child there and, and what would happen to that child and whether or not that child would have the appropriate services that they needed. And, and so Amy really went to battle to at least have this man considered as a parent uh, for this child long-term. And in, in the current environment, um, anything outside the U.S. Is, is a difficult mindset for people to get past, right? We're kind of in this anti-immigrant period right now, and it makes, makes it challenging for everybody to kind of think about and consider that somewhere outside the U.S. might be a better place for someone. Thanks to Amy's determination, Eric was able to go to Honduras with Angelica and her caseworker to meet her father's family and see if it would be a safe place for her to live. And the three of us got on the plane in, in, in Newark and, and off we went on our adventure. Arriving in Tegucigalpa, the capital of Honduras, you know, and all of a sudden in a completely different world and, you know, the bulk of the drug cartel stuff happens in kind of the northeast section of the country. Um, the capital where we landed is south of that and where we were going was southwest of that. So, you know, we had a good sense that where, where we were going was safe. So the unlikely trio landed in Tegucigalpa and set off towards the village where Angelica's family lived. And, uh, and so the drive was like, I think, two and a half, three hours to get to the town outside their village. So, you know, I'm just staring out the window and seeing everything we can at the same time, working with this, with this four-year-old girl and, and, and trying to keep her excited and calm and not, you know, going crazy in the car. And it's, it's a stereotypical small town village, right? With a central square and a markets and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and we then check into a hotel there and, and wait for him to come in. And so we waited at the hotel for this kind of big reunion. And we're like, will she recognize him? Will she know him? Will she care? You know, all this other stuff. He eventually made it in in the afternoon and we met outside the hotel and he came with flowers for her and stuff like that. And he came around the corner and she instantly just recognized him. She hadn't seen him in, in person, I think, in two years and just ran to him. And it was like, you know, Hallmark movie, you know, moment, right? With them both hugging and, and crying and, you know, her excited. And so we spent that afternoon down by the pool with them playing and in the pool and, you know, him taking care of her. And it was just awesome, heartwarming to watch these, these two lost souls back together again. Right. And the next morning we uh, came back, we had uh, breakfast together, and then we went out to his family's house. And it's a beautiful mountainside just covered with coffee plants and banana plants, and they grow some corn and some beans. And, you know, the house is very beautiful by Honduran standards and wealthy. They, you know, they built this house themselves. And it is a gorgeous, beautiful house. And, you know, they've done the things they need to do to have water and power and all that. Other. And uh, they had arranged a big welcome for her there with her cousins there and signs and balloons. And it, her birthday was nearby. They had a pinata and they had a big party for her and they made, you know, special food for her. And, you know, to see her immediately, immediately just be absorbed by this, this family, right? And, and family is just so important, so tight and so loving, and she was just enveloped. 
and you know abuela grandma was already there and guiding her and you know helping her you know, having her cook with her and uh, it was just awesome to see that and to see her in that environment being able to free range to be with family to visit the potential school she would go to it was just awesome and i came back more excited than i left being able to say man she belongs here and and just thinking how do we sell this to a dubious judge Despite how certain Eric felt, they weren't in the clear yet. The judge had to give the okay for Angelica to live indefinitely with her family in Honduras. And Eric felt the weight of having to convince the judge that it really was the best place for her to live. So I kind of, I tried to grease the skids ahead of time to make it easy, right? And so the website I put together showed the daily life, showed what school was like, Right. I, what I wanted to do was just take out all the things that I thought, what will what will a typical American be worried about in terms of sending a four-year-old child to the Myrtle, CIA Myrtle capital of the world, right? And to be able to explain that, you know, this family has existed here for you know generations. You know, mom and dad and grandma, they live here, they built this house, it's safe, it's far away from the drug trade. And look, they have power, they have water, they have medical care, they have you know, food supply, they have family, they have community, you know, how do I, how do I kind of get all that communicated to a judge who I, who should be dubious of all this, right? Um, and, and so I tried to put that all into something so that would be absorbed ahead of time. And then when we got to the court, um, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't as much selling as what was needed because, or would have been needed because she'd seen with their own eyes, you know, what life was like there. And, and it was really just her probing for my level of sincerity. And talking to Eric for even just five minutes makes it clear how sincere he was. He talks about the girl's transformation with joy that is difficult for him to contain. From She was, the best way to describe her in the beginning was feral, right? And self-destructive and, and literally going, spending the nights in, you know, psychological emergency, you know, situations. To go from all that and oh, being medicated and, you know, to just getting where she needed to be and letting her free range a little bit. And boom, it's a completely different kid. Just happy, loving, excited. You know, the, the family was, I mean, over the moon, you know, it, it, to, to, have their, to have their granddaughter back, to have their daughter back, to have their cousin back, to have their niece back. Um, that's exactly what it felt like. It's like, even though that family, many of them hadn't ever met her before, um, that was exactly what it felt like. It was like this long lost member of the family who'd been ripped away from them suddenly came back. And to, to continue to get uh, you know WhatsApp calls and video calls with her and see what's going on in her life and how she's gone from being this child who was you know, in special programs and needed special teaching and was in the hospital and was you know, self-destructive and is now just going nuts and having a great time and is happy and is learning Spanish and is really becoming, you know, a part of that family. It's, it's, it's honestly one of the best successes in our life. It's awesome. Eric recognizes how special this story is, but he doesn't discount the smaller victories that accumulate during years of fostering. But, you know, I mean, but there's all the other little success stories too, right? You know, you've got a kid who's just kept safe at time, or we've had kids that come from a, a hopeless scenario where they come to, you know, what we call our, what we like to call it, a, you know, list summer camp, right? You know, because we've got a trampoline, we've 
you've got you know you know all these toys and all the things that make it fun for kids right so they come from this challenging place and they get they get if nothing else they get a summer camp right where they know that they're safe they know that they're well fed they know that they're being cared for they know that they're cared about and 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 hopefully what it does is it gives them the ability to picture that there is hope there is i may be on this path right now but there there can be another path it doesn't have to be this way it could be that way and hopefully that sticks in the back of their head and later on in life you know when things are challenging or when they have more control of their life they can go it doesn't have to be this way i can make it different or i can find the ways to make it different and so you know that's that's another part of, of fostering that that's a beautiful thing is to know that you know maybe you're not you're not saving the world but you're planting seeds that can save a person maybe right you don't control it but you're you're putting in place things that that you know will stick with them and hopefully they can use as a tool later in life and and so they know that and carry that with them and hopefully they they use that as a tool at a point in their life that it's appropriate Eric went from a self-confirmed city bachelor to happily flying to Honduras to reunite a foster child with her family. His story is a perfect example of how you never know what great things can happen when you loosen up your grip on the reins of life and soften to the motion of the wind. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes when we give up the, the need or the sense of control, and uh, see where the wind blows, sometimes you get good surprises. So I still struggle with it, but try not to get too locked up in what you think is the way to go. Um, because there, there's probably a path that you don't even know is there, that if you, if you take that path, you'll have a better experience. To learn more about the List family, Watch their video on YouTube or Facebook at umbrella.nj. For other stories like theirs, visit futuristfamily.org. And to find out more about Umbrella, go to umbrella.org. Or follow us on social media at umbrella.nj.